Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Locked On Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The New Jersey Devils, the New York Islanders, what do these two teams have in common? Well, the Jets did not play particularly great games against either team. And that, folks, is not exactly the most uh, ringing endorsement when you're considering both teams are towards the bottom of the very competitive Metro Division. We'll explore what exactly happened uh, from the footage that I was able to find of the Devils game and then break down my insights into the Isles game coming right up on tonight's Locked On Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, y'all. I hope you are ready for the weekend, and uh, hopefully you're getting excited for the upcoming NHL trade deadline. If you're wondering who is talking to you right now, it is me, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you enjoy the sound of my voice and want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to hit that like, follow, and subscription button on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and in the very near future, YouTube, with all the video Locked On Jets content you can handle. Thanks for choosing to make Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now on to the meat of this episode. Uh, The Jets have played two games, um, one on Thursday and one on Friday, which uh, the Thursday one I actually only caught highlights of. Um, The extended recap, I was able to get some footage, um, as well as reading some of the reports about what exactly transpired, doing some underlying stats reveals and all that fun stuff. So I have a pretty okay understanding of this game. And honestly, if you've seen one mediocre Jets game, you've basically seen them all. I mean, this team... A lot of the issues that it has don't really change game to game, right? If you know what I'm talking about, you know the lack of foot speed, the disorganized defense, and the struggling forward unit has been kind of a recurring theme for the past few years. So, you know, this kind of uh, reared its head again against the Devils. And I think the interesting thing about New Jersey is that from my perspective, I used to remember them being a very slow team, very defensively oriented. This Devils team is a lot faster, and that shift has been, you know, gradual over the past couple of years, but as people kind of begin to recognize Jack Hughes as being a truly great hockey talent, along with the really good supporting cast that they are slowly building out there, you know, their identity has definitely shifted to be a more high-octane, high-paced offense. But the problem for Winnipeg is that the Devils still aren't terribly good. This is a team that definitely doesn't have, like, the world's most elite finishing talent, still has some defensive issues on the back end, and, uh, you know, they're just, uh, there's some, some mediocre pieces here and there in key positions. In a lot of ways, you might say that they have, in some areas, comparable problems to the Jets, although it'd be really hard to argue that age is one of them. I think, in general, these two teams are, are moving in different directions, and um, the Jets are not really trending in the right one for me. In this game, you know, the, the Jets, I feel like Eric Comrie basically carried the squad, which we've seen this happen before. I mean, Hellebuck has done it for many years. Uh, Comrie, I thought, had some really great saves from the highlights I was able to find. He made a great volume of saves in general, too, um, only surrendering one goal despite getting pelted on some really dangerous chances. I think his best save was probably on a three-on-one where the only skater back for the Jets was Dominic Toninato. 
Comrie played the angles perfectly, did not lose his uh, positioning in his crease, stayed very calm, and made a great pad save. I think it was on Jack Hughes. Um, Hughes in this game was extremely noticeable. Almost every dangerous chance around the slot involved him either taking the shot himself or passing it off to a really close teammate who was in a better uh, shooting position. So Jack in general, just a really highlight real player. He walked Josh Morrissey uh, and a few other players for some great scoring opportunities, but somehow only collected one goal the entire evening. Again, just from the footage that I could find, which, you know, doesn't have every shift, but still has enough to where you can sort of see at least a couple of things emerging. That top line for the Jets was not great, uh, and this is a continual problem. You know, 55, 26, and 25 together, it's not really a particularly fast combo, and that unit has um, really difficult problems against teams with fast counters. And for me, if that's your top line, you've got some serious issues. They're eating up a lot of valuable ice time. They're not really performing all that well, relatively speaking. And it's taking away from other units that might actually be more suited to handling, you know, the, the pressure and speed of these faster, better, more skilled teams. Despite all of that, you know, Winnipeg still has these moments where they have an individual moment of beautiful greatness. And in this case, you know, the game winner came off of a glorious Kyle Connor backhand goal that was so fast and so quick, no one actually realized it went in. Although I think Jets fans probably said, oh, that's definitely a goal. The puck never came out of the net. You saw it just sort of dip down, uh, you know, below off the bar and then it stuck in the net. So, I think most of us probably felt in the moment it was going to be the the real deal, but they had to do a video review, of course. So, yeah, nice goal, a great individual effort, a really cool moment, but it doesn't really change my perspective on the game that the Jets, they just didn't really seem all that great. So, you know, with the back-to-back against the Islanders the next day, I wasn't really convinced that this was a great sign for the Jets. You know, Eric Comrie... I think he did a lot to mask Winnipeg's biggest issues, but with Connor Hellebuck struggling recently, I wasn't as convinced that he was going to be able to do the same. If the Jets, like they do historically in a lot of these back-to-back games, show up and look a little bit slower, can't really handle the physicality and forechecking pressure, Hellebuck's going to have a really tough time. And, you know, we were only a few hours really from finding out Winnipeg's fate in the next game, and honestly, they can't really afford to lose any of these if they want to get into the playoffs. Um, this is apparently something that, according to some of the, the rumors and sources out there, the Jets are actually attempting. Now, I'll, I'll talk a little bit later in the show about why I feel this is a mistake. But, you know, before we go too much further, I did want to get into New York Islanders versus the Jets, which is uh, the game that's currently on right now. I'm watching uh, through the second period, and I'll have some thoughts on the third period, as well as the thoughts on the playoff push towards the end of this episode. But in just a little bit, we'll take a look at periods one through two and see how the Jets have handled things if, in fact, they've met my expectations of maybe being a little bit slower, kind of struggling against this forechecking pressure, and try to figure out where this team's destiny really lies. Before then, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about Built Bar and why they're the best-tasting protein bar on the market. They might even help you keep those pesky New Year's resolutions on track. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. 
Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Bilt Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super-sugary foods that you can replace with Bilt Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Bilt Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Bilt.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Bilt.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Bilt way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Before you sign off this evening, also don't forget to check out Locked On Now. It's your number one source for every nightly recap of every NHL game, with deep, insightful analysis from our local experts. It's the only way to stay up to date on the hottest action around the NHL. And subscribing is 100% free of charge, so be sure to do it right now on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Like I mentioned earlier in this episode, I did want to talk about the Islanders versus the Jets, which is the second half of a back-to-back. Not exactly been a fun start to the Metro Division swing. You know, the Jets uh, against the Devils, despite earning a 2-1 victory, like I mentioned uh, previously at the start of the show, not exactly the world's best effort. You know, Eric Comrie probably stole that game, and I wasn't really confident that the second game would be spectacular. The Islanders, again, aren't that great of an opponent, but this Jets team against bad teams often struggles, especially uh, very physical squads that can kind of grind the Jets down. Winnipeg, it's just not a team that really seems to handle and cope with a lot of physical pressure. So, you know, what kind of happened was more or less what I expected. The first two periods, the Jets just really struggled to get anything going. This slower, heavier, more physical Islanders team just sort of grounded and pounded its way through Winnipeg. And it didn't feel that the Islanders were making particularly dangerous chances, but they ended up scoring first anyways because that's just Winnipeg's lot in life. It kind of seems like the Jets, no matter what, they uh, <laughs> they find ways to concede some very silly goals. And then, you know, it, this one was a power play opportunity. Andrew Kopp had a chance to clear it, and he sent it right back to the point blindly almost. And wouldn't you know it, there was in fact Noah Dobson, I believe it was, high on the right side waiting for the puck. He gets it back, he creates a good scoring opportunity, and there's a beautiful passing play where Brock Nelson then scores. You just can't be careless with the puck, and that's been a a serious issue with the Jets this year. It's not even a unique issue with Cop. Pretty much everyone on this team seemingly has puck management issues. There are only a handful of players that I would say really don't do it very often. Evgeny Svechnikov is probably one of them. Seems to be pretty defensively attuned. There are a few others who don't do it, but, you know, that's it's few and far between, to be honest. The Jets just are very poor with puck management, and they often turn it over in really high-leverage, high-danger areas, which is kind of a problem for Winnipeg, uh, because as soon as it gets counted on, you know, usually it's a high-danger scoring chance, and um, <laughs> for Hellebuck this year, it's kind of been going in a lot more frequently than it used to, so not ideal. And then, you know, the Jets, they uh, really weren't able to get a lot going. They had a couple of scoring opportunities, but generally speaking, they were just the slower, less good-looking team, which is not surprising. It's a back-to-back, I get it. But against the Islanders, you do have to show a little bit more gumption and a little bit more pace, and yet this team just doesn't have that foot speed, and it was very obvious. Um, You know, I think a good example of, of kind of how this killed the Jets was that, you know, Winnipeg would get countered on and, you know, multiple times Barzal would get the inside step or something. And that first line, if they were out there, they just could not keep up with any of the Islander skaters. Didn't matter if it was Barzal or just about anyone else. But 
especially when that top line came out for the Islanders. It was a struggle for the Jets if uh, Lowry wanted to go best on best, so to speak. You know, the Islanders don't have a lot of foot speed either, but their wings can counter pretty quickly, and the Jets, especially when 55, 26, and 25 were out there, they just could not keep up. As in the game against the Devils, if your top line is doing that consistently, it's going to be a lot harder to win hockey games. So, yeah, rough uh, rough first few periods. And then, you know, the start of the second period, things got even worse for the Jets. They conceded two very quick goals within this space of a minute. And it's the sort of effort where you just sort of shrug and say, yeah, that about tracks. I think Winnipeg, a lot of their issues really got exposed in this game, especially the lack of uh, skating speed. It's not like the world's most important thing if you only have a couple of skaters who are maybe lacking that that average or elite pace. But in the case of the Jets, they have entire lines that just do not have a lot of ability to counter off the rush. And, you know, one of the other issues is if you have, you know, Mark Shifley, who really is still pretty elite offensively, if he doesn't have anyone who's actually able to get up the ice quickly, he has to slow his own game down. And that kind of holds back a lot of the skill that makes him offensively special. So... It's just not really a sensible arrangement for how the Jets are built, um, and it's very frustrating to see the top line consistently being put out there when it's not really capable of keeping up. And, like, Lowry will change just about every other line except for the top line. You know, Zvechnikov got switched off with Ehlers uh, to be moved to the third line, which I don't really understand. I get that Ehlers can work really well with just about anyone, and he does well with, you know, Connor and Dubois, but... In this case, that top line needs that uh, speedy help a lot more than the second line does. So why bother making that switch? If you're going to move Svechnikov, you know, it doesn't really make sense to. I mean, he's on a unit that generally really works. He's great at forechecking. He's great at grinding in front of the net. And he creates space for Dubois and Connor to kind of do their thing. If you want to move Ehlers somewhere, get him on the top line because that's the only place where he's really going to be a lot more effective than he is already. But, you know, this coaching staff, I I just don't really think that they have... (sighs) enough of a change for me to really be excited about the prospect of this team if they are all to stay going forward. I feel like this coaching staff definitely needs a refresh because there's the continued stuff that Paul Maurice did and, you know, the adjustments that were made haven't really been all that great for even strength play. One other tidbit popped out. I think it was from Elliot Friedman um, during the second intermission. He thinks that the Jets might actually keep Andrew Kopp as an own rental. This for me is a massive mistake this team is not even close to being playoff competitive. They're just not that good. And if you keep a guy like Cop around or any of the other rental free agents, what is the point? What do you think this team is going to accomplish? It's not good enough to really make it even out of the first round. I would love for it to be, but it's not. And I'll explore, you know, the, the push for the playoffs and why I really feel this is not the time for the Jets to be doing it later in the show after we go through the third period and see how Winnipeg finishes this one out. Before we go any further, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about BetOnline.net and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs, especially as we roll up on this NHL playoffs race. Football might be over, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this upcoming playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. Not into football? No problem. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. They've even got great lines for all of you Winnipeg Jets fans. From player points totals to award winners and more. Want to bet on Hellebuck winning another Vezina trophy? Log into BetOnline.net right now and place your bet. 
BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. To get started, register for a free account with BetOnline.net right now. Start winning today, because BetOnline is where the game starts. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are continuing our conversation on Winnipeg versus the New York Islanders, and spoiler alert, the Jets did not win. Despite a bit of a pushback in the start of the third period, the Jets just sort of deflated and ran out of steam, and eventually the Islanders added another goal and then scored an empty netter. So, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I don't really know what to say about this game other than that it's just another loss in a string of a very disappointing uh, number of results this year. I don't really know if there's even more that you can be upset about. I mean, this team is just what it is. It's not going to change. I think the thing that I'm legitimately annoyed about is the fact that they're talking about playoffs with this team. This team is not a playoff contender. It's a joke to even talk about that. I'm sorry, but that's the reality. There's nothing that's going to change this team unless, you know, they basically swap teams with an actual playoff contender. The Jets have too many holes and too many issues to solve during the summertime for them to even bother trying to make the race now. I know that they're going to look at the standings and believe that there is a shot, but it's just not really worth it. This team would be better off trying to recruit some assets, think about how to rework the roster because right now the lack of foot speed is just killing them constantly. It's been doing it for years. It's, you know, not really giving Hellebuck a lot of support. The goaltending this year finally looked a little more average, and so suddenly all of Winnipeg's problems started to become a little bit more apparent, although I will say that the finishing dropping as much as it did, that part was a little bit surprising, but in some ways you would expect it to kind of have a down year at some point. I just feel like the Jets can only ride great shooting percentages for so long before eventually it does kind of crash back to earth a bit. Didn't expect it to be near the bottom of the league, but it is what it is. It's not the only reason the Jets are losing, even though it is playing, you know, at least a pretty important role so far. But, uh, you know, the rest of the team definitely has enough gaps to where if your top six is struggling to score, your bottom six hasn't really been able to contribute all that much. So, yeah, the roster imbalance, it's definitely an issue. The defense isn't great. Hellebuck is looking average. Comrie, I think, could actually spell him a little bit more. And I don't really know why they don't use Comrie more. It kind of just baffles me a bit. I mean, Eric has looked pretty calm and relatively composed in most of his games. He's been, you know, at least on the par of of Hellebuck, if not better at times when he's come on. And it's not like that's really a knock against Hellebuck. I just feel like this year Helly has had a few more issues than usual, but it's the kind of thing where I think if you actually give him a little bit more rest and, and kind of work on getting him to whatever full strength he can be, I, I think Comrie can more than be capable of eating up a lot more starts than he's been given so far. I think Eric has proven that he does deserve more and that he can keep Hellebuck honest too. I don't think Helly's really uh, struggling in terms of like effort or anything like that. I just think that there's something maybe in fatigue or his personal conditioning that is holding him back right now a bit. So hopefully he can uh, recover if he is injured or at least uh, get some rest and get back to his best. Uh, I mean, if the Jets want to make the playoffs, he has to be the lead number one guy at a a prime Vezina level because this team this year is just not that great defensively. But again, like I said, I would prefer the Jets not to push for the playoffs. If they do not sell assets at the deadline and instead keep expiring contracts, that's going to drive me a little bit crazy. This team is nowhere near competitive, and even if they actually claw back into a playoff spot, what are they going to do? lose in the first or second round, and then you lose all of these guys who, you know, 
they probably would fetch you some really good assets, maybe even a few higher-end picks like a first-rounder or a high second. I, I think you could easily get that for some of the guys like Andrew Kopp. Kopp is definitely highly valued on this market, so I just don't see why you wouldn't work on, on finding him a spot that works for him as well and can get the Jets at least a little bit more into the cupboard because the core as it is hasn't really been that great. And unless the Jets start to uh, restock the prospect pools with really high-end talent, they're going to find themselves in real trouble in a few years. And players like Kopp aren't the kind of guys that you really want to be holding on to if you're not actually uh, you know, looking looking at a great cup run in the next year or so. I think the Jets can reallocate resources, bring in some fresh faces, and work on really modifying this coaching staff to get better results. Because as it is, this current arrangement that the Jets have, it's not getting them anywhere far uh, you know, beyond even just a playoff appearance. That's kind of like the, the highest I would really expect for this team, and anything beyond would be very surprising. I've kind of ranted about this a lot, though, so I'm curious to know your thoughts. Do you believe the Jets should be buyers, sellers, or neither? Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Radon and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcast media, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!